0: That's silly. My silly husband. All right. I'm so excited to be here sharing with you guys today. This is distracting. There's like a video of me right here that I can see myself. So, hi me. Just kidding. Um, Do you guys do that? Like if there's a mirror there, you just like tend to like look at yourself. I did not realize how much of an ugly crier I am until I cried on FaceTime with somebody. And it's like, guys, it's, like, really ugly. Like, I would end up covering my face. I'm a really ugly crier. Okay. Anyways, hi, Mom. Just thought I'd say that to everybody on Facebook. My mom's on Facebook watching right now. So, all right. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to First Kings. If you don't have your Bibles and you have your Bible app, open up your app to First Kings. If you don't, it's up here. This, you can take this away right now. Can you take that away right now? We're not talking about that quite yet. Okay. My, my slides are a little silly today. If you can't tell, like, I really love teaching elementary kids. So that's why we're going to have some pictures today. Okay, we are going to be talking about my, sorry, I should have warned you. Don't throw that slide up until I say it. I'm about to say it. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to be talking today about Elisha and Elijah. Thank you, Nathan. Done. Okay. All right, so let me let me give you a little bit of background story real fast. In First Kings 19, a man named Elijah, Elijah, okay. I don't know why he looks so angry here. Anyways, a man named Elijah um, is a prophet in the land. not in the land, in the area, in the town, um, in the land of Israel is now split into two nations. So, you know, one guy says, like, I want to be king, and another guy, I want to be king, and there's split into two nations. The nation of Israel is in the north, the nation of Judah is in the south, and Israel kind of has, like, bad king after bad king after bad king, and there's, there's never really a good, there's never really a good king. Down south in Judah, it's like one every four kings obeys God and, like, does the laws of, of Moses and follows after David and, and all of these things, but in the, in the north, there's a bad king, and his name's Ahab. Now, Ahab actually in 1 Kings 16 says that Ahab did more to turn people's hearts away from God and to provoke God's anger than anybody else, any other king in the Bible. And I'm not sure if that's like any other king ever or just any other king up to that moment, but either way, like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that one that is known for provoking God's anger the worst. All right happens, chance, his wife is Jezebel, who even like still today, thousands of years later, we say Jezebel, and you kind of think of this evil, wicked woman who can turn the hearts of men and can manipulate men. That's kind of what we think about of Jezebel. Anyways, she was a very wicked person who hated prophets of God, didn't just dislike them, didn't just like uh, Find them annoying and served her own and didn't serve God. She hated them. She actually hunted them down and would kill them. So, uh, what are you laughing at? Hey guys, my friends are here. Um, So, anyways, so at the time, Elijah has just killed 450 prophets of Baal. They're in a famine. Elijah calls down fire from heaven. Heaven fire God brings fire, he kills 450 prophets of Baal, Baal, what you know, however you say it. How do you say it? Baal, Baal. Okay. These words are confusing, right? Ah, words. Um anyway, so he's just killed these prophets. Now Ahab is like, whoa man, whoa. And he's like, let's let's go eat. Elijah goes, no, 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 because now God is going to show even more of his power, and he's bringing rain, and this famine's going to be over. You need to get in your chariot. And you need to go home right now because the rain is coming, and you're going to get stuck in it. It's going to be that much rain. So he goes home, tells Jezebel everything that happened, and this woman goes berserk. She goes nuts, and she says, I want, I want Elijah's head on my table tomorrow. She, she has definitely has just put a bounty out for Elijah this is, where, this is where history is right now. Okay, so Elijah runs away. He goes in a cave. He hides in this cave, and he's like, God, kill me. I'm like, just, just take my life. I'm done. I'm tired. This is hard. This is scary. Please just kill me. God comes. An angel actually feeds him. God talks to him and says, I'm going to give you somebody to help you, a man named Elisha. You're going to go find this man named Elisha, and he's going to help you out. And by the way, there's also 7,000 people in the land that have not kissed the feet of Baal. So just so you know, you're not alone. So he goes down, and this is where our story begins. 1 Kings 19, verse 19 through 21. Okay, I'm going to read it here in my notes. I'm going to have my Bible open, but here it's like, I don't know, written out larger print. All right, so Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shephat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elijah was plowing the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders. Then he walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my mother and father goodbye. Then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go back and think about what I have done for you. So Elijah returned to his oxen, slaughtered them, he used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople. They ate it, and, and then he went to be Elijah's assistant. Okay, let's pray. God, I just thank you for this word today. God, I thank you for, for your word that you have given us to learn about you, to grow in you, and to love you more. God, I pray you speak to each heart today and remind us how good and amazing you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we have four kiddos and I don't know about you guys, but when we have kids, it's like when we had, we got pregnant, it was like, what else do you talk about? You talk about like (laughs) babies and babies and babies and babies. And, and what's the baby's name going to be? Probably for like a six month conversation in the Headley household is what are we going to name this baby? Right? Okay. So have a beautiful daughter. I get pregnant with a beautiful son. We make this list up. And this list is written down. I mean, in pen. Okay. This list is, is done. All right. It was, it was uh, our son, our, our first son. His name was either going to be Preston, Ethan, Elliot, or Jackson. And I know I just told you guys the story. And so like, I'm saying it again. Sorry, Kayla. Anyways, so his name was going to be Preston, Ethan, Elliot, or Jackson. And we called him Peach. I don't, I didn't come up with that name. It was probably one of our youth students. We were youth pastors at the time, but he was baby Peage, like, all the time. I mean, and anyways, a week before my due date, Nathan comes to me, and he says, babe, babe, I have something I want to talk to you about. Oh, okay. I mean, like, we need to sit down, because I really think we need to name our son Elijah. And I'm like, no, veto, no. Okay, a few, a few days later, and pass by. Babe, babe, I need you to think about this. We need to add this name to the list. No, it's not going to be PG. No, we're not adding another name to the list. No veto. Okay, have the baby. We're sitting in the hospital. My beautiful, blue-eyed, big, long-haired, he wasn't big, tiny, (laughs) <laughs> what am I talking about? My beautiful, tiny baby boy with his long brown hair is screaming at our, you know, screaming in my lap. And we're so in love. And, and Nathan says, okay, I really think we need to name our son Elijah because, it's, you know, it's a godly name. It's a good name. We need to name our son Elijah. And I was like, hang on, hang on. Hang on a second. Two things. No. Because we don't even say the name the same. He says Elijah. I say Elijah. I don't care if it makes me sound more bougie. That's just the way I say it. I don't think everything is to be, be phonetical. I, anyways, I'm like, we cannot pronounce our son's name different. You cannot be saying Elijah and I say Elijah. And I say, Elijah, we just can't do that for the rest of our lives. And he's like, it's okay, it's okay, babe. We'll call him Eli. We'll call him Eli. And I'm like, no, veto. I just sat on a bomb. No, Vito. Our son's name is Ethan. Okay, so I kind of won that one. Sorry, I threw that card out there. But for the sake of the rest of the story, we were going to call Elijah, Eli, for the sake of the rest of this story. So Eli, in the Bible, has just come up to Elisha. And thrown his cloak over him. And, and and Elijah, Elisha knows, you know, he's calling him to come be with him. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you guys really like lists? Because I really like my pros and cons list. I like to write down things. I'm not a real typer. I'm not a real note. Like, Nathan has like notes on his phone, and he like dings, his little check mark on his phone. was like, dings, and I like to like cross it out. I like to write things down. So I like, I'm telling you, like, if somebody had called me into this ministry, I would have been like, hang on, hang on, hang on a second. I need to go, I need to go call my mommy, and I need to go call my sister, and I'm gonna go pray with some people. I'm gonna wrestle with this for a little while, and I, uh, and I'm pretty sure gonna make up my, you know, pros and cons list, because that's what I do. Not Elisha. Elisha knew. Guys, this was scary. This man is being hunted. This man literally has a bounty on his head, and these people aren't dead. Ahab and, and, and Jezebel were still alive. They're still currently hunting Elisha. Eli. I did it. Even though I said I wasn't going to do it, I did it. Um, they're still hunting him. I would have been scared out of my mind, but he trusted God. Elisha fully trusted trusted God. Then he left everything. He didn't hold on to anything. He didn't hold anything back. He trusted God fully and walked in that. You know, he burned his equipment. I think a lot of times when we, I know I have before, um, accepted Jesus in my heart. And I was probably like seven when I Went to church and went up to the altar and accepted Jesus in my heart. But it wasn't really until I was a teenager that I really was like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fully devote my life to God. But I don't think a lot of us pray our prayer like this. God, forgive me my sins. Come and live in my heart. I give you my life. I give you all that I have, kind of. Amen. Like, we don't pray that way. But through the course of time, through stuff happening, through life just happening, we end up wearing Jesus just as an accessory in our life, just as a a, a pretty necklace we can wear or a bumper sticker we can put on. We end up just turning it into something that's not fully following Jesus, not fully giving our heart and our life to him. It's just turned into a, let's go to church because we don't want our kids to be horrible. Fully devote yourself to God. Trust God fully with your life. Um, we, there is so much in the ministry and the life of Elijah that I could point out and just go through. And I'm a stories person. I could just talk through stories all day. But I do want to get some points in here. And so we're going to skip down a little bit. If you guys have time to go through and, like, read, it's really cool, some of the stuff. Um, okay, so if you – I really like – you know, reading the actual Bible opposed to, like, an app or just flipping because then you can see, like, okay, so six chapters later, you know, like, you can actually see, like, all right, it's sometime later. Like, there we go. Okay, so moving on to Second Kings. You know what? My paper is in the wrong order. Moving on to Second Kings... That's not the right paper. What did I do? Okay, Moving on to Second Kings. Um, was that right? Nope. That's not right. Nope. We're going to go to Second Kings. 316. So we're gonna go there. Okay, so what has happened so far? We've walked through a few chapters, probably like five or six chapters at this point, and Elisha has been following Eli and his ministry around. Eli knows that he's gonna leave and God is gonna take him to heaven. And and he tells Elisha, like, stay here. And he's like, I'm not staying, I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I go. I'm not I'm not going. I'm not you know, I'm going with you. And he, Eli says, no, stay here. He tells him this like two different times. Stay here. And he says, no, I'm going with you. Finally, he says, okay, what do you want? I'm about to go. God is about to take me. Eli says this. What do you want? And Elijah says, I want a double portion of your spirit on you. What God has given you in the spirit of God that rests upon you, I want a double portion of that. I mean, like, it's kind of, it's kind of gutsy. Anyways, so he says, okay, well, God can do this for you. Eli is swept up into a chariot of fire, and Elisha's ministry begins. Um, So skipping down to chapter 3, verse 16, we have the northern kingdom of Israel. We have the southern kingdom of Judah, and we also have uh, Edom. And they're all coming together to fight against the Moabites, against Moab. So in the northern kingdom, in the southern kingdom, and then Ehab, like they're all like kind of working together. Now Edom is descendants of Esau, who was brother to Jacob, the deceiver, who took his birthright, who then wrestled with God. God changed his name to Israel. The nation of Israel is born out of him. So these are kind of like, second cousins, like 700 years removed, the Edomites were. All right, so the Edomites join Judah with Israel, and they're all going to fight against these, but they get together. These three kings get together, and they're like, we can't do it. They're too big. We're, we can't do this, and um, uh, and they say, like, and Jeho- King Jehoshaphat from Judah says, hey, I know a guy. Let's go, let's go talk to Elisha. I know a guy, and um, so they go talk to him, and Elisha says, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to help you. You go ask your prophets to help you. Let's see what happens. But no, I'm not going to help you. And they ask him again, please, please help us. We need help. And he's like, okay, well, out of respect for King Jehoshaphat, who at that time served God and loved God and was trying to tear down idols and rebuild the temple, let's, I will help you. Okay. Coolest thing. Coolest, one of the coolest things to, like, moments of the Bible. He asks for background music, guys. I mean, like. I just, I love the Bible, but he asks for somebody to come play music, so he has some background music, so imagine in your head, background music's playing, and he says, verse 16, God's word, dig ditches all over this valley, and here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind, you won't see the rain, but this valley is going to fill up with water, and your animals and your army will drink to their fill. This is easy for God to do. He will also hand over Moab to you. This story is all about faith. It's all about faith and trust that God's going to show up, that God is going to send water. You know, in your life, you might want God to send some water. You might need God to show up in some areas and to send some water for you, and he's telling you to dig some ditches. I did read this out of the Message Bible. If you have the message, it's so fun to take it and compare it to different versions. But not all versions do say dig, dig, ditches. But I did love how it said to dig ditches. Because God, so many times we want God to send the water and bring the rain. And he's asking you to pick up your shovel and to start digging a ditch. You know, God wants us to believe big. God wants us to dream big. We might have big visions and big imaginations and big things that we want to do for God. And God might give us big visions for him. But are you willing to put that shovel in the ground and to dig a ditch? Ephesians tells us that God wants to give you even more than you could even dream to ask. Are you willing to dig a ditch? And the amazing thing is, the amazing thing is, is when you dream big and you start small, God is working. And God is moving. And you might not be able to see it. You're not going to be able to feel it. But God is doing something in the invisible. God is working in the dark and in the background of your life. Trust God even when you can't see him working. That's point number two. Trust God. Look at you go. Oh, it was Maddie. Thank you, Maddie. Trust God when you can't see that he's working. God does some of his best work in the dark. And just because you can't see what's happening now doesn't mean that when the lights come on, that he doesn't have victory in hand. Let me tell you something about about me, about American culture. We like everything right now. We like everything done right this second. If I take out the trash, I want it done right now. Oh, can I do it later? No, right now. I want it, you know, like, I want things right now, right here, right now. But guys, God is not the God of the seconds. God is the God of the seasons. So you can't dig that ditch and just expect it to be filled with water right here, right now, and say, like, all right, I did this, God. I did this. Fill it with water now. I read my Bible. So now I should hear you every day, and my life should be great. It's not how it works. God is not the God of seconds. He's the God of seasons. And we need to begin to see God as the God of seasons. Things will happen in a season. Things will happen. You might have to dig a ditch in this season. And over here, this is when you will begin to see that water come, that fruit come from what you did over here. God is not the God of seconds. We can't just expect God to move and then lose hope when he doesn't. Guys, it took Abraham till he was 100 to have a son. He's supposed to be the father of all nations. God, that stuff don't work anymore. He was 100 when he had a son. All right, moving down quite a bit through through Elijah's ministry. We're just going to like, for real, guys, like when you flip the pages, you're like, oh, that's a lot of stuff. We're going to move down to chapter 6. Do, 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 do. Walking down to chapter six. Okay. In chapter six, there's just such a cool, such a cool miracle that Elisha does. And really, guys, the life of Elisha um, so just reminds me of the life of Jesus, how he moved in little, in little ways that might seem insignificant to the whole, but to a person. He moved in ways that were personal and ways that were great. He helped the little. He helped an army. All right, so chapter 6. Um, what has just happened here is uh, there's a bunch of prophets, and they're in the land of Judah, and there's some prophets in the land of Judah, and they're running out of space, and they're running out of room, and they ask Elisha to come with them and help them build. They're going to build more rooms or houses or um, meeting places to to be in. So they're they're... So verse 4 says, so Elisha went with them, and when they arrived at Jordan, they began cutting down trees. Okay, when I was a teenager, I'm not, I was not very academically good. Like I was a C average student, you know, I was like C, if I got a D, I was like, it is what it is but I was like a C average student, okay? So, I mean, that's, that's a lot. You know, when you have a sister that's like A plus, A plus, A plus, A minus, oh gosh, the world is over. That's like, that's very hard to deal with. That makes you feel really like dumb. So anyways, I'm in high school and I'm on fire for God and I wanna live my life from God and I'm full of all this zeal and I, like reading the word is just really hard. Reading the Bible was just so difficult because it was boring. I was just bored with it a lot of times. So I asked God, God, open up your word to me like a storybook. Unveil it to me like I'm watching a movie. And, and this is one of those stories that that definitely happens. Okay, so verse 5, one of them was cutting the tree, and his axe fell into the river. Did you guys just see it? Did you guys just, did you guys just see Elmer Fudd whacking at that tree? You wascally wabbit. And in a very animaniac style, the axe flies off. It's like whoo, 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 splash. Do you guys see it? Because I just okay. I'm a, I'm seven years old again. All right. The axe fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked, and he showed him the place. Elijah took a stick, cut. Wait, Elijah cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. The axe. Floated to the surface surface. Grab it, Elijah said. The man reached out and grabbed it. So this is definitely one of those stories in the Bible where you could be like, oh, cool. God, you're so cool. Let's move on. Guys, this story, which seems might seem insignificant or kind of meaningless, okay. That was something cool God did. Look, God can make an axe head float. Woo! Awesome, God. This story has made it in the Bible for thousands of years. This story has tested time, has stood the test of time. And, and, and no matter what it is in, our, in the Bible, no matter what story it is, but there is something that God wants to give us for a reason and for a purpose, and it's here. And I love, I love it. And if the only thing we took from this was that God cares about little, meaningless things in our life that could seem meaningless to somebody else, God cares is, is amazing. But not only that, in this story, God shows that he will, that you can trust him with what you have lost. No concern is too big or too small for God. My paper's not moving. There we go. What have you lost? What with time, and circumstance, and happenstance, and life, and pressures, and trials, and tragedy has, have you lost? Have you lost a blessing? Have you lost a relationship? Have you lost peace or financial strength? What have you lost? The good news is that God cares about what you lost, whether Whether you think it can be recovered or not, God cares about what you lost, and he can take what you've lost, and he can redeem it, and he can bring it back to the top. Sometimes we have to go back to what we lost. We have to go back to that spot in our relationship with God that we fell off track. We have to go back to that spot, and God will put us back on track and trust God to lead us and to guide us into where he wants us to go. What have you lost Your accent isn't gone. And God can defy gravity and he can bring it back again. Uh, trust God to recover what you lost. Maybe it's, maybe recover is not the right word. Maybe it's redeem, restore, renew. We were going over this with Nathan. And it was like, there's all these like R words that kept coming up. But whatever it is for you, God can do it. For me, for me it was more, of myself, Um, you know, stuff, life is hard, and really sucks sometimes, and people can be cruel, and life can really beat you down. And for me, I had gone through periods of time where it was just so stressful and, and heartbreaking. And it was like a daily, daily being like beat down, kind of a daily beat down. I think I got to a point in my life where I was like, hey something's wrong. Like, I just feel like something's wrong. And he was like, Oh, I don't know. Well, I felt like, I'm sorry. He never, he never said that actually. It was just one of those things like, what's wrong? You know, you didn't say it like that. I'm sorry, honey. I probably felt like he said it like that because I'm like, "Take action. Something's wrong!" And then I'm like, "Don't take action, just listen to me, complain." All right, this is women for you. I just described all women right now. OK. But for real guys, for real, I'm, life has just like beat me down over and over again, and I felt like I was underwater. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I didn't even know how to laugh with my kids anymore. And the two things, two top things that I want for my kids in their life, I want them to know Jesus and love Jesus, and I want them to laugh every day. And I knew I'd wake up in the morning and I would try to laugh because I knew that's what they needed and they needed to laugh. I wanted to go be around people or friends because I would get a brief escape from myself And it wasn't really until my pain ended up manifesting in physical ways that I began realizing that I needed more help. I needed my husband. I needed a counselor. I needed a medical professional to help me. And by God's grace and God's glory and God's divine power, He lifted me up out of that water. And he brought me back. There's a song called Defender, and I have loved this song for years. Um, And I asked Corinne to do it this morning, so they're so sweet to me. But it says, When I thought I lost me, when I thought I lost me, and I couldn't see, I couldn't see the brookie that I thought I was. You know, the person that you think you are, like, I'm a hugger, I'm kind, I'm a good friend, I can't throw a basketball. Like, the person that you thought that you were, you know, like, but you can joke about it because I can joke about it. I'm not sports. Anyways. Um, The person who I thought I was, I didn't feel like I was there anymore, and I feel like I couldn't see myself anymore. When I thought I lost me, you knew where that accent was. And God knew where to find me. You reintroduced me to your love. You picked up all those pieces. You put me back together. Because God is the defender of your heart. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what dreams might have fallen in that water, no matter how underwater you might feel, guys, let me tell you, This season of life has been hard in more ways than one, and the emotional toll that it's taken on so many people has been so detrimental. And even when you feel like you're underwater, God can bring you back up again. God can defy gravity and can bring you back to where you've lost. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that we can trust you fully with our lives, that we can trust you to move when we can't see you or hear you or feel you. God, I thank you that you can recover what we've lost, What we don't see anymore, what we feel like is too far gone, God, you can bring it back. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.